0: Welcome to the Forward Minds podcast. I'm your host, Joy Asfar. Join me every month as we meet entrepreneurs and innovators who are propelling change in the world of sustainability. Listen to their stories and discover how they are shaping a new lifestyle. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Forward Minds. On today's show, we're joined by Oyuna Terendorj, the founder and creative director of Oyuna. Known for architectural silhouettes and uplifting hues, Oyuna is a clothing and homeware brand with a pension for one soft natural fiber in particular, Mongolian cashmere. Keep listening to learn why cashmere is so precious and why protecting its supply chain is essential. Hello, Oyuna. Thank you for joining me today. I'm very much looking forward to explore cashmere with you and discuss about your brand. So welcome. Hi, Joy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation too. Great. So I want to start from the beginning, if that's okay with you. Um, You grew up in Mongolia and you have been raised and surrounded by Kashmir throughout your childhood. And I think it's probably safe to say that Kashmir is part of your DNA. So I'd love to hear about your personal journey and the beginning of your brand.
1: Yes, so I am from Mongolia. I grew up in Mongolia. Um, I was born there and um, I was, yes, definitely surrounded with Kashmir. Most Mongolians have uh, Kashmir garments and, of course, uh, uh, there is an amazing countryside. I grew up in a city, um, but we used to go to countryside and, of course, we have a very close contact with nomads. Mm -hmm. for for Kashmir goats my dad in fact used to be nomad when he was a young boy but then afterwards he worked in the capital he became a lawyer but he's
0: very much in our Mm -hmm. family dna yes exciting and how did you um how did you move to london what's the what's the story behind oyuna how did it all start
1: so, I loved uh, drawing and designing and generally aesthetics. Um, and uh, I studied in Budapest uh, clothing and textile design. Okay. And then, uh, one of my trips in Mongolia on a horseback riding trip, I met David, who, who's my uh, current life and business partner. And uh, we had the um, like three years long-term relationship. When I used to live in Budapest, we used to meet um, in different countries like Damascus or in the middle of the Charles Bridge in Prague. And um, after three years, he said, please uh, come, move to London, move to London. So I left my very happy life in Budapest, mm-hmm. my amazing friends and adopted Hungarian parents, etc. Mm-hmm. Good job, amazing lifestyle moved to London and I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. First year, I didn't work at all. I basically uh, spent all my savings um, visiting all the galleries, uh, modern art, museums, mm-hmm. doing short courses on design and philosophy. Absolutely um, consumed London,
0: so to speak. I can imagine. It's, uh, and your brand is actually very much inspired with art and the colors and the designs absolutely uh, the contemporary art especially a uh, more abstract contemporary
1: art is mm-hmm. very much uh, behind uh, our many collections and i just absolutely love art and i just felt so much at home with london yes with it's a great
0: it. city to 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 move around and to discover art i completely agree and so you decided to build your brand around Kashmir which makes sense. Um, And I would love to go back to the basics slightly with cashmere, because I know that we all probably own a cashmere garment. Um, And cashmere is called the diamond of fibers. And it actually represents, I was reading this number, 4 billion of a 60 billion global luxury market. So it's a huge market. Um, but I'm not sure that if we would ask anyone if they would know where it comes from. So can you take us back to the to the beginning? Where does Kashmir come from? Sure. Many
1: people think it comes from a rabbit or antelope or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Kashmir goats primarily come from Kashmir, uh, sorry, Kashmir fiber comes from primarily from Kashmir goats from some mm-hmm. uh, Asian steppes. Uh, in Mongolia and uh, Inner Mongolia, which is currently in in China. So it's a very fine under hair of a goat that keeps them warm under the harsh Mm -hmm. winter conditions where in Mongolia we can reach up up to Mm -hmm. minus 40 degrees Celsius in winter in Gobi Desert. So Mm -hmm. that's this amazing... Under hair that nature provided the goats to keep them warm during these really really harsh winters. Mm. So it's a very fine under hair. When even people with goats, uh, I mean, sorry, with the dogs and cats will know that they, even dogs have under layer hair. Yes, but uh, with uh, in case of Kashmir goats, it's it's extremely fine it's almost it's 10 times thinner than human hair and that the reason cashmere is so precious is it's it's one of the finest fibers mm-hmm. really really thin and also it's hollow therefore it traps air it insulates or regulates air temperature in a natural way so it really keeps you warm at the same time it's yeah. super soft and also it's extremely laborious to create um, uh, Kashmir garments out of this extremely fine, roughly mm-hmm. one and a half, two centimeter long fibers. Imagine you, how do you create full garments out of it? So it's an extremely long process. Kashmir um, goats, it takes three to four goats just to make one simple, normal, thin pullover. And g- the goats need to be, Looked looked after entire year Mm by nomads, so you can imagine it's you. It's a whole year of hard work through winter and summer and spring, winter and spring and autumn to get uh, this
0: one sweater. Small amount of fiber. Yes, (laughs) it's actually. I don't think any. I mean, when I was uh, researching uh, cashmere for uh, for our discussion, I was so surprised to to hear and read that we need as you said 3 to 4 goats to produce enough fibers for one sweater that seems in in you know so it's so much when we see the amount of cashmere garments that we see in the shops around the world it's uh, it's it's the demand is growing so fast that it, it must create as we're going to talk about many issues in the cashmere industry
1: absolutely so Traditionally, Mongolians have Mongolian nomads have had the uh, managed their pastures really in a in a clever way, making sure that the number of goats doesn't exceed certain amount, mm-hmm. certain um, um, quantity, and sheep's and cows and um, horses mm-hmm. and camels. Everything is balanced, and they would um, um, change their pastures and really. Uh, Really respect the land, but with the commercial um, demand, global commercial demand of uh, Kashmir and making it less and less luxurious fiber, led to uh, nomads um, naturally wanting to have more number of goats, which can um, and
0: did lead to overgrazing of the land, which has a huge impact on the on the environment. Can you can you explain to us what is overgrazing for people who actually don't really know what it is? Of course. So out of all the uh, live the
1: uh, um, animals that Mongolian nomads have, the goats most my, my, probably some people know about it, goats are the only ones when they eat grass, they eat with the roots on the grass, mm-hmm. they take out the root. Therefore, once they've graze the land it doesn't grow again so it's very important to manage that by changing pastures so mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's been managed pretty well by Mongolian traditional herding um, mm-hmm. rules so the overgrazing m- means there's, the land is desertifying so it is in a way, not so straightforward to measure which, what, how much uh, percentage of over desertification is caused by uh, overgrazing and how much by climate mm-hmm. change. It's extremely um, complex thing to measure. But um, Sustainable Fiber Alliance, for example, who which we member of, they use amazing uh, satellites, satellites, and they work in um, collaborations with the. Uh, British space organizations to really gather proper data on this include combined with the um, information
0: straight from land from nomads so, so they combine the information from the from satellites and and information from the from the herders exactly. to understand yeah to understand the portion of overgrazing and um, and that ha- that has impact on desert- desertification. I mean, it's. I was also reading that fib- the fiber quality uh, that you're going to get from the from the goats diminishes because if the grass perishes, the goats eat less, and of course they're not going to grow as much, you know, fiber. And then so it's kind of a vicious circle. So the, you know, the yield diminishes, the quality diminishes. The price diminishes, and then there's demand, and it's one of this. It's a vicious circle that is, in some ways, weakening the supply chain while wrecking the natural environment. So it's really tough to reconcile both, right? Exactly. So it's um, uh,
1: as I said, the most cashmere comes from the Central Asian Mm states, mainly in uh, from Mongolia and China, which they which uh, combined they supply 85% of world Kashmir. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the remaining 50, 15% is a little bit in Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Iran, India, Afghanistan. Um, but the quality is quite different. Main The best Kashmir comes from the, the Mongolian, inner Mongolian uh, regions of Central Asia. And um, there is, in Mongolia, as you might know, we have traditional more, herding, nomadic mm-hmm. culture. So our goats really still completely roam in the wild pastures and steppes and mountains, whereas in Inner Mongolia in China, it's, it's um, so to speak, Kashmir farming that's happening. Yes. People own their lands, they have fences, they graze the goats within the farm, and then they supplement the goats with the hay and other um, probably grains. Whereas mm-hmm. in Mongolia, it's fully relied on. So it's still run as a traditional herding,
0: um, technique. technique. Yes, the 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 goats basically live in the natural environment. They are. It's going to sound a bit funny to say this, but they are happier in some exactly. ways. Exactly.
1: So. We we believe, uh, especially um, the our amazing team at the uh, Sustainable Fiber Alliance, that. Uh, Natural way of grazing for animals is basically. If we if we talk about chickens, they we we say we can see in the shops free range chicken. Mm-hmm. In Mongolia, it's 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 the same. It's completely free range. It's even more than free range. It's completely wild range. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so it's like different level. Uh, it's not they don't just eat uh grass within the fenced area, but they really roam in this really mm-hmm. beautiful mountains and amazing herbs and wild uh, plants. And um, talking about the degradation levels, um. In, in the Mongolia, degradation and desertification is quite severe. At the moment, in Mongolia, um, the very severe and irreversible degradation is quite rare. It's estimated to be between roughly 1% to 15% of the land area. And the Mongolian land, as you might know, three times the size of France is quite mm-hmm. huge. So um, it's... Uh, Still, that number ideally should be zero. And then with most rangelands slightly or moderately degraded in the process of degradation. So it's so important for us um, as consumers and as makers. I am, for example, I'm both maker, creator and consumer at the same time. Um, and I need to be really responsible from both ends. I need to create product and put the product out there into the world that is really responsibly sourced and manufactured. Absolutely. And also as as a consumer, I I should be only choosing making
0: choices. The right choices, of course. The right
1: choices, exactly.
0: Absolutely. So we painted a, a very you know, dark uh, situation of Kashmir in Mongolia and of the Kashmir industry, but there are many solutions and you are working very hard actually for the preservation of Mongolian land and the the nomadic culture, as you were mentioning before, and you're working with uh, the Sustainable Fiber Alliance. Um, Can you tell us in a couple of words what it is? um, So uh, for
1: me, it's, Uh, And not just for me, for a lot of people, it's, I think it's, I always say pure, 100% sustainability (laughs) is very difficult to achieve. And if humans exist, if if we want this planet to be how it used to be, of course, we cannot um, extinct ourselves. But with the fact, with the given fact that humans do exist, I think it's sustainability starts with humans of course we can talk about land but who can take care of the land who can Mm -hmm. prevent land being uh, overgrazed desertified and who can protect the land of course humans in this case mongolian nomads so Mm -hmm. how what does it mean i think first and foremost we have to make sure that they are happy they are well-paid they're happy to stay on land they don't want mm-hmm. to move to cities because it's tough because Kashmir prices are too low um too commercialized so it's very it's very important first and foremost to start with livelihoods of nomads and then we talk about the land health and also animal welfare and of course the total ecosystem and diverse the biodiversity mm-hmm. of the land
0: Absolutely. So so you have to to resume in a sense, you have three goals with uh, the Sustainable Fiber Alliance. You have uh, animal welfare uh, to try to reduce environmental impact and especially also something that's very close to your heart, which is secure the herders' livelihood because it all starts with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what does
1: it mean that we are members of SFA? Uh, It means that... um, in our opinion, SFA is the only organization right now that we know of. Mm-hmm. is doing really amazing job on land. It's um, headed by a very inspiring Mongolian woman, Una Jones, um, and they also have an amazing team on land in Mongolia, in cities and all provinces and sums in Mongolia. And... Um, what's good about SFA is they really know that this Kashmir sustainability is a very long process and it needs to be done in a very well thought through there's lots of um, aspects to be to take care into consideration it's not just the for, for us and SFA it's not about having a swing ticket hanging from our garment saying this mm. is sustainable Kashmir because As it stands, there is no sustainable Kashmir in this world, because we can. I, in my opinion, we can only say it's sustainable Kashmir if the whole Kashmir industry is sustainable. Absolutely. You know what I mean. So we can't be just uh, have us working on this tiniest piece of land. Uh, We only work with one community of herders, saying yes, of course. While our Kashmir is. So SFA certified Kashmir, meaning it's sustainably responsibly sourced and responsibly produced. But there's so much more work to do, so we can't stop. And we, it takes all the brands, all the makers, producers, nomads, and consumers, and consumers mm-hmm. to really come to this goal when we actually say, yes, now, the land is healthy. The nomads are healthy,
0: and Kashmir quality is good. Of course. And how do you? So you were mentioning. Of course, it's a very long process, as you were saying, uh, because you're working all along the supply chain. And how do you work as a brand? How do you work with the Sustainable Fiber Alliance? Do you? Is there? Do you? Is there education when you approach a new brand? You try to give it as much information because. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, when we talked the first time, education is a huge part. Education and information actually are a huge part of um, change. I mean, people are not going to make any changes if they're not aware, if they don't have the right information in their hands. So, do you work with the, with SFA in terms of education and information with, you know, with brands, for instance? So. Um... Yes, um, there's so many initiatives
1: and programs uh, that are um, um, ha- happening and will happen uh, with, with the SFA. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of us and SFA, the way how our products is made, are made, uh, we source our cashmere from the nom- nomadic communities and, and the factories in Mongolia, which have been certified by the SFA. So which means that the herding organizations comply with the SFA's animal welfare and the rangeland management codes of practice, and that the processors or factories comply with the clean fiber processing code mm-hmm. of practice, which includes clean water processing, no chemical wastes, all um, environmentally friendly way of processing mm-hmm. fiber. And then fiber is traced along the supply chain using transaction certificates from herder all the way to us as a brand, and the it's this fiber is kept separate from non-certified fiber during transport and storage. Okay. So our fiber with the fiber we source differs from non-certified fiber in that that it has been harvested in a way that follows in a way traditional nomadic herding practices, you know, Mm -hmm. and complies with strict animal welfare guidelines. So as a consumer, committing to purchasing certified fiber also ensures that the nomads uh, we source our cashmere from receive a
0: higher price, which in turn helps to support their livelihood. That makes complete sense because uh, I was reading that the more uh, the more the prices go down, obviously, the more goats the herders want on their pastures. And then, you know, it's again back to this vicious circle. So then we're back to too many goats. So overgrazing and then it's uh, and then it gets back to this. Exactly. To this vicious,
1: yeah. So the higher the price we pay, uh, higher more we incentivize um, nomads to give us quality, high priced luxury cashmere fiber it, it's a win-win situation for everyone Kashmir should not be a cheap fiber but it cannot if we want the, the land to to be healthy and for generations you know like generations to come to see mongolia or other lands how healthy as it is now to
0: to be able to continue to produce Kashmir as well in, exactly in,
1: otherwise yeah. there's the it's the end of this as we said diamond of it's in fibers, <laughs> <laughs>
0: of course, and uh, the SFA. Uh, I find I find that actually quite interesting. The, the SFA works because you were mentioning that they have a team in Mongolia on on you know on land, and uh, so I guess they work with herders as well in terms of educating them around like you know climate change and the fact that they shouldn't have too many goats. And do they realize? I mean, is there something that you need to work on with them? There is
1: uh, so many amazing initiatives that are happening. For example, there is a young, uh, herd, young herd, young herder initiatives. Okay. Or, which means, uh, of course, the young nomads are the future of future of mm-hmm. Mongolian um, Kashmir industry. And so there is lots of initiatives um, funded by SFA, not that uh, training programs in schools and in in a way uh, uh, in general in life i think access to information is such a powerful thing exactly because without uh understanding or knowing even about the existence of the problem it's just you know one cannot even tackle um, resolving it right so The training program mainly aims to educate young herders about the preciousness of land, how to graze, manage the Kashmir goats in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. And there's also, for example, um, women herders initiative. Okay. Because um, is that something new? it's it yes it's quite quite new and it's quite an amazing initiative because if you think about women are the the mothers of the earth they they are mothers in both literal and in literal sense and they are the ones who teach the youngsters how to um lead a good life how to behave in a in a in an ethical way so they are the ones that teach lessons, the little ones. And they actually have very, they're very powerful, especially Mongolian women. They're quite strong and very confident. They carry a lot on their shoulders and they can really steer the direction.
0: Of the household.
1: Yes, the household,
0: big decisions. They can, of course, influence their husbands. And so now they became, they started... I mean, they become herders. They, they, you have now this new wave of woman herder. Is that what's going on now?
1: No, I mean they've always been herders. Uh, the, in a way, in Mongolia, we don't uh, traditionally, we and culturally, we don't really have a difference between okay. men and women. So it's a quite a balanced uh, society in, in in a sense. Because if you can imagine, you're in the middle of nowhere in this remote land. You are just another human being. You, mm-hmm. Everyone chips in. It's not like a okay, woman only does that and men only does that. We don't have that. Women women also take care of you know animals. They they are as good ra- horse riders as men. Absolutely, <laughs> it's in a way. But of course they. It's they, a family business. Exactly, it's a family somewhere. business. Mm-hmm. But of course, women do take care of their children. They feed the family. But um, yeah, no, it's 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 just a, a a nice initiative for women who get together to get to know more in-depth information from a science point of view, and they feel more empowered.
0: To be included in the process is important, you know, because they can take, as you said, they, they can make informed decisions afterwards. And in term of in terms of the environment. Um, You were talking about protecting the rangelands. What is the SFA doing for that? What are you? What's? What are the type of um, of initiatives that are put in place?
1: So, uh, in terms of uh, rangeland management, they really first of all they start with education.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So, so and then they facilitate information. Exchange between experienced, uh, uh, probably more wiser nomads with younger herders, younger nomads, so that they really pass on the knowledge of traditional herding um, rules and do's and don'ts, and also they, of course, they in- incentivize with nomads with different awards. They, as we said, we. Um, they pay premium prices for SFI certified Kashmir. yes, and of course the, the land degradation is measured in many ways by using science and um, on hand information from um, the nomads.
0: Yeah, so basically, so it's, they're very the SFA is really tackling every you know every sector of the of the of the problem, which is which is really interesting. And what you were talking about. Also measuring the impact with, um, you know, with satellites and teams on the ground, I found that quite uh, exciting too. Um, you were talking about um, the involvement of the consumer in the in the process, and that's something that I think is really essential. Um, how to basically involve the customer and how they can be more responsible and conscious when making a purchase decision. But as it's quite tough as a consumer, um, you know, you were talking about these little labels that you wouldn't have. I think it's quite tough for a consumer if they're not really aware of the issues or the problems or even of the certification to know how to buy, you know, sustainable cashmere or, I mean, a a better sort of cashmere. How do you think they can, how do you think as a consumer, you can be more responsible when you're purchasing cashmere? Yes,
1: it's, um, it's a good point. Um, I, I'm not against having a, a swing ticket uh, saying uh, something, but uh, currently, unfortunately, it's just um, abused or overused okay. in a way. Yes. So that's why I'm, I'm a little bit uh, uh, kind of feeling weird about have just Know it's because a lot of not lots, there are brands who just go for Sphinx tag and not do not go into this problem in a deeper way. So, as a consumer, ideally, one needs to educate themselves mm-hmm. and really when they buy into a product, if they really read into a brand, once you start just reading, it's quite in a way obvious, which brand is doing a greenwash, which ones are actually doing something. So I think it's very important to understand, have more, as I said, information to access and understand and Mm -hmm. assess, because nothing is black and white in life, right? It's it's very um, easy to say, oh, this is sustainable, this is not sustainable. It's more about Um, the whole approach whole ethos whole activity whole reason of the brand's existence people yes it does take time and energy to really um, to get involved to get involved or not even to get involved to make the right choice because it's easy to just look at the website uh, just read one sentence okay it just says sustainable okay I'm sure it is and you know it's I think it's very important to really really
0: To go further.
1: Go further. Yes, it does take an effort, which is tough because no one has uh, time these days. But um, we just have to start taking time to really understand what are we consuming. And also, I would say, start consuming less, buy less, but buy quality and consume less in general.
0: I c- I cannot agree more. I keep every time I have a discussion about about sustainability, it's I always think the basis for a customer for for a consumer is basically to be curious for me. They have to, you know, I I I love clicking on the about page of a brand and reading about the story and where it comes from and kind of discovering what they're doing and and the different steps that they're taking in terms of sustainability and and as you said the more you read about a, about a different brands the more you're going to be able to say if one is more honest than another one and it takes time uh, but it's definitely something that we need to that customers need to do more and avoiding impulse buying you know we have this like we're in this in this society where we buy with so much impulse and, uh, and I've been guilty of it for many years. And I tried to, I try to not do it anymore, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely something that we all have to work on. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's definitely a good advice. Um, I'd like to continue, uh, on the future of OU now of your brand. So you, you opened a new boutique, um, which you actually opened during COVID. So how was that?
1: Yes, that was actually, um, amazing and it gave us lots of energy um during the first lockdown um, we had like three weeks and we opened our shop on the 23rd of june uh, 2020 mm-hmm. when lockdown was lifted and um yeah it was it was nice to be involved in this project basically it was just mainly me with working with builders because team was working remotely we couldn't really we were not really allowed to be together, right? Mm-hmm. But um, just uh, for a couple of days, we got together, <laughs> wearing masks, fitted out the shop, and uh, local people in near yeah, Golden Road and Otter Hill just absolutely loved it. And it's such a nice um, street. Uh, such an, There's an amazing feel of community, shops that have been there for minimum 20, 30, 40 years. Everyone was super welcoming. It it was a nice experience. It is a nice experience.
0: I'm excited Um, to come and see it.
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I have one last question, actually. And I think um, people would be quite interested to have your opinion on it. Um, We keep seeing a lot of um, new brands that say that they use recycled cashmere. Um, what do you think about that? I think, I know, I know it's not a, you know, as we said before, it's not a black and white answer. Um, but do you think it's some, if you're going to buy a cheaper a version of uh cashmere, uh, do you think recycled cashmere is the way to go? Uh, absolutely.
1: I think it's, it's a great initiative. Basically recycled cashmere is what happens is they, put together all secondhand cashmere garments. They clean it and they shred it and they turn it into fiber again and then make new cashmere garments. I think any type of recycling is good to a certain extent. But, for example, like recycled polyester, of course it's good, but I don't think it should be... Promoted. You know, you know, there's a funny balance between, yes, recycling is very good, recycling all this existing polyester, but if it leads to more production of polyester, (laughs) recycling, there's no point. So, um, in terms of cashmere, it's, it's a natural fiber and it's a recycling is actually, I think it's great. Um, I think it definitely, it's a good choice, absolutely. Yeah. Would,
0: would you consider maybe using it in your brand, or is it really not part of your the DNA of your brand? For example,
1: I've been staying away from it uh, for a while because qu- obviously quality is not the same because we're really quite known for our quality. Mm-hmm. But um, we uh, we did uh, do a few styles for our autumn winter twenty one. Um, Season from this Italian, uh, really good Italian uh, male who makes uh, good quality recycled cashmere. And we haven't, uh, we under, we about just produce the, uh, this recycled cashmere, just a few styles, I think three or four styles. I'm very curious to see how
0: it is. And to well, see the response from your, from your exactly, clients. Exactly, consider
1: see the yeah. response. And I think I want to look more into it because it's, um, I think it's, why not? We, we'll just see how it they behaves but, in terms of quality, yeah.
0: Yeah, if it lasts, if it's if it's a long lasting item as well, because that's probably also maybe an issue. Does exactly. it last as long in, in, yeah. in time?
1: Basically, in the Kashmir is such a precious fiber. It took uh, so many people's hard work to come to life and reusing it, recycling could only be good,
0: I think. Yeah, it can. T- yeah, it's it's it extends the life cycle of the product, which I yeah. think could be really interesting. I just I always thought it was quite an interesting, an interesting concept. So I oh, wanted to you. ask you, as an expert, what you thought about <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> I mean, so, I I've never
0: ne- visited the recycling mill, but um, I should know more about it. But I thought I I actually thought that um, recycled cashmere was also about like you know when you produce cashmere, there's like some parts that are not as good, and so the left they leave it on the floor of the factory in, in a way. And then this is what also they use to, to produce recycled cashmere. Am I completely wrong? Maybe? I don't know. Um,
1: I wouldn't say yes or no, because I'm not 100% sure. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll look into it and we'll dive into it next time.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Can I add one thing? Um, of course. And, um, uh, because you asked me what's uh, what happening uh, with Ayuna. yeah. Actually, tomorrow is the uh, Earth Day, 22nd yes. of April. And we have an exciting uh, campaign launching tomorrow. It's um, maybe I can say, I mean, it's tomorrow is just one day. It's a paid forward campaign. We called it, Uh, you know, how you pay forward the kindness. Yes. It's a campaign that we are inviting our customers to prepay their cashmere so that we could actually prepay nomads before they get paid for the combed cashmere this season Oh, so it's a really cool campaign, and um, we and
0: it starts tomorrow.
1: It starts tomorrow, and great. If, if, uh, anyone wants to get involved in with the nomads, it's a great opportunity. And part of the um, uh, deal is they will be very much. We will be. They will be very much part of the entire journey. There will be updates, Instagram stories, and the blog posts about what's happening on land. We will be reporting, so they can see the entire journey, how their Kashmir garment is made from the mountains of Mongolia until to the, the, to the, the London aspect. shop.
0: Yes, <laughs> this is such an exciting initiative. Um, I think people are so in demand of understanding where their products come from, and visually they want to know. They want to know the storytelling, and I find it so so great that you're working also hand in hand with the herders and. And that you're allowing them to get their, you know, the, 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 the prepaid cashmere before. It's really, I can't wait to see it. So that's very, very exciting. It's very exciting. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ayuna, for being with us today on The Four Minds. I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm convinced that we, we will all look at cashmere very differently from now on. And hopefully more consciously. <laughs> thank <laughs> so- you so much, Joy. Thank you so much. So head over to the forwardlab.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. Thanks for listening and I will be back next week.